0: Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rock podcast. I'm back today with my good friend, Scott Lopp here, and we're talking about finances and we're talking about finances God's way because so many times with everything else that we do in life, we try to do it the world's way and the world's way usually does not work out very well. So Scott is here to encourage us uh, to learn how God talks about finances in His Word, because God has a whole lot to say about it. But before we get back into our conversation, I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, CTC Math. If you guys are looking for a great online math program, go to ctcmath.com, check them out for free, and see if they're a good fit for you, ctcmath.com. Scott, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad to continue talking about this topic with you. Um, we were talking in the first first episode about how more people have a spending problem than an income problem and just how to navigate through some of the spending problems that we have as a society. And I think that you hit so many of those, just they're spot on. And there's a whole lot more to that. I'm sure we could talk you know, for hours and hours about... <laughs> People's spending problems, and sometimes I think people don't even realize that they have a spending problem. It just well is, you know, how they live life, and so you're here to kind of hone people back in and say, "This, <laughs> this is this is how we can deal with our finances um, in a way that is pleasing to the Lord." Because in everything that we do, we want to please the Lord, and I do want to talk it um, after. Uh, We talk about these next couple things about how we can teach our kids also how to be good stewards of what the Lord has blessed them with. But before we jump into that, I want to talk about um, debt specifically, and I want to talk about how, when when people are in debt, how do how do they get out of it? I I mean, it just sometimes Uh I think seems so overwhelming to come face to face with that, and then just know, Uh especially you know as a Oftentimes, like we talked about, single-income families, which a lot of homeschool families Mm -hmm. are. Not all of them are, but many are. Um, And it just seems like you get on this vicious cycle. So bring some encouragement to families who are struggling with that and how they can just get back up and and start over.
1: Okay, yeah, great. I love to talk about this topic. I'm back up just a little bit to get a little momentum in because, interestingly, the topic of debt is unique in that it's one area where the world can very strongly disagree with god's word and and all i mean by that is you could um we know there are ways that the world does things differently Mm -hmm. than the than the bible but you can actually go out to moral reasonable people financial accountants who will promote debt or leveraging debt or using using debt and so the real question is not what you know the bank says or the financial advisor question is what God's word yeah. says. And so as Christians, even if we can find experts or professionals who tell us that debt is a good thing, we want to consider what God's word says about debt. And I'm not saying that people can never have debt, and I'm not saying that all debt you know, must be avoided, although m- most of it should be avoided. If there is an acceptable debt, it would be um, a mortgage. I, there's not really any reason to have, to have debt uh, for any other reasons. But with that said, I think some people kind of have to, um, before... Uh, desiring to pay off debt, they have to be convinced that they should pay off debt because it's something that the Bible discourages. Mm-hmm. And so, if you look at if you look in Scripture, I mean, in the Old Testament, Proverbs twenty two seven, we're told that debt makes us slaves. And in the New Testament, Romans thirteen, we're told, "Oh no, man, anything have no debt except except love." That's all we should owe people. And so, if we're going to you know apply God's word or do our finances God's way, then we want to consider that scripture discourages debt. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's always sinful, but it's it's in Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom, mm-hmm. and generally, debt is unwise. And so, we don't want to buy into the world's thinking that debt is this wonderful blessing because it allows us to buy things with money that, you know, we don't have. And so, when, once people are convinced that debt is something that should be avoided, then the next question is is the one you asked, well, how how do people um, pay it off? And one of the encouragements I wanna give people is if you you have have had a spending problem or spending problems or you've loved spending money or maybe consider yourself addicted to it, you can actually become as enthusiastic about paying off debt as you have previously been about spending. There can be a real shift. And I say this because my wife, um, Katie, we got married, and her dad was, you know, as a farmer, he had thousands of dollars coming in and out regularly. It was no big deal for him to give his kids hundreds of dollars to spend here and there. And then Katie and I get married, and it's like, you know, spending ten dollars, we're gonna we're gonna be careful, uh, yeah. you know, about that. And but I watched Katie get really excited about uh, about paying off debt. And so once you start to see those numbers go down, you kind of want to throw more stuff at it. You know, mm-hmm. you get your tax return, or maybe that you know, that gift or inheritance or something. And previously you just couldn't wait to run to the store and buy who knows what with it. Now you can't wait to kind of see see your debt go down yeah. with it.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it's a hard thing to do because then you see all the other things that you want to purchase, you know, and, and, and I shouldn't even say want to, there are always other needs. I feel like, you know, that mm-hmm. need to be met, you know, maybe your car needs to have work done on it, or, you know, you've got some plumbing problem or your dishwasher just went out or, I mean, there just, are so many things that consume, um, Mm-hmm. the the money that we have coming into our families. And so sometimes it's hard to know how to just navigate through that.
1: Yeah, I get it. I mean, we, we all have, uh, you used a good word there, needs. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes there's confusion about what is a need versus a preference. And we don't want to confuse the two of those. And sometimes people call something a need when it is actually just a preference. Um, so if you wanna if you wanna talk about different ways to to pay off debt, yeah. I think there's a lot of a lot of approaches. Yeah, let's talk uh, about I will that. say one thing that's that's kind of an umbrella for all this. There's no real way to pay off debt that doesn't involve sacrifice. Sure. So if someone's listening to this and they think, well, you know, I'll pay off debt because I'll just I'll be wise enough. There's wisdom required, but you're going to have to sacrifice. There are things you're going to have to go without. There's purchases you, you previously yeah. made, made that you're going to have to have to um, stop going, uh, stop purchasing. And because I know this goes by quickly, I'm going to give people two words yeah. that I think are great, and one word is free, and the other word is used. And so, there's actually for the person that looks for it, lots of free things. Yeah that we can do. And there are lots of wonderful used things that we can buy instead of, instead of new things. Um, And so for free things, I mean, whether it's going, I don't know if a zoo is always free, but, you know, or a museum or something like that, but, or a picnic or a walk or, or going to the basketball court with your kids, there's, uh, you know, or camping versus going on that expensive vacation, flying to to who knows where. So if we're if we're looking for things that are free or much cheaper, um, we don't have to spend $5,000 or, or $3,000 or something. And then the other thing with used is just kind of get, you You mentioned earlier that you had really, I think it was the last episode, really enjoyed uh, garage yeah. sale. Well, because we live in such a wealthy and opulent country, there are lots of people with a lot of stuff they, they want to get rid of it. And there's a lot of really good things mm-hmm. that you can find if you commit to not buying new, unless it's, unless it's really um, necessary.
0: Yeah. I, I love bargain shopping. It's so funny. My girls make fun of me actually all the time. They always tell me, they're like, mom, you are so cheap. I'm like, I'm not cheap. I'm frugal. <laughs> there's a difference between the two. <laughs> And I can't stand mm-hmm. to pay full price for things. The only thing I will say that I pay full price for is I'll buy a new shirt or something at like TJ Maxx or Ross, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's their full price, but it's not. And I love looking at the tags of the, the actual like merchandise tags to see how much yeah. it would have been in the yeah, department store. <laughs> like, well, yeah. it was $89 in the department store and I'm paying 12. I think I got a pretty yeah. good deal. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. and And I think that's great. I mean, that's one way to know that you're, you're saving money there and all the money you don't that you're saving can then then be um, put to debt. Um, yeah. I think people need to look at you know live below their income, yep. and I think there's this idea that you're doing really well if you live at your income, yeah, because then you're not increasing your debt. And, and you to, mean actually, living to paycheck
0: people, to paycheck?
1: Yeah, and to some people, actually living at their income mm-hmm. where they're not increasing their debt, they make you know five thousand and they spend five thousand. Mm-hmm. That could actually be an improvement for the for the person who makes five thousand and typically spends six thousand but if we're going to get out of debt, we need to, if we make 5,000, we need to be spending like 4,000 or even 3,000. And so that's when you talked earlier about budgeting, I mean, an honest budget says, this is how much I make. And if we need to pay off this much, you know, let's say $500 in debt per month, which many people can do, then we need to make sure we're only spending $4,500 per month. And so when you do that budget, however, you need to work the numbers, whatever you need to give up to make sure that there's this amount that is set aside every month to put toward debt. And that's going to mean getting rid of things yep. um, that you have, you know, enjoyed for for years and putting off the, you know, buying driving the used car to get more miles out of it before you think about that that new vehicle. Yeah. But you've got to be really honest with the numbers. They don't lie. And if you want to put five hundred dollars toward debt, then that's five hundred that has to be carved out. Of your monthly income to go to debt each each month.
0: You know, we found when we moved um, from California, we had to sell all of our stuff. You know, most of our stuff that was in our house. Um, It was so freeing, and I think that we live in a society that is so like we hoard things. We want, we think we need more and more and more. And selling things and getting rid of stuff, it it really frees us up uh, for so many other things. But also, it's a good way to to bring in more income because. Mm -hmm. You you can sell that bookshelf that's sitting in your garage and our debt will Mm -hmm. get paid off faster. And so I think, you know, so many people have things that are just useless in their homes. That could be a blessing to someone else. And Mm -hmm. we can use those things to be able to pay yeah, off some I remember, of our
1: debt. I remember when you guys were in our driveway and you were opening the back of your, if your suburban and you, you, this is like your lives, yeah. your lives are literally in this. And you were talking to me, I think you talked about getting rid of your pom-poms. Is that correct? Yes, I remember that yeah. Correctly? yeah. You were talking about all the things you had to unload from your life and kind <laughs> yeah. of how freeing, but it was like, Oh, I've had these pom-poms, you know, all these years. And, yeah. and so um, I kind of mentioned that because you, you made a good point. I, when I was writing my book, It came from sermons I preached in my church, and I was preaching on covetousness Mm -hmm. at at Woodland Christian Church, and I learned that one of the fastest growing industries in our nation is actually um, self store is a storage. Oh yeah! Gosh, it is a multi billion dollar industry. That is growing faster. Uh, you know, I think the amount of income for storage units literally is ho- higher than Hollywood. Wow. Then yeah, movie revenue. Oh I was shocked. Um, the The self storage industry it made thirty three billion dollars wow. in, in two thousand sixteen. It's seen an eight percent annual growth since two thousand twelve. One hundred fifty thousand people employed, and the average American this it pays one hundred dollars per month. That means the average. So some people to pay a lot more. Yeah. And so what that means is we like have this stuff. We probably have forgotten about. We don't even access it. Uh, we don't even, you know, remember that it's in that that storage unit. You know, you're kind of driving down the road sometimes, and you see all these storage units, yeah. and it's like, what is it that people wanted that they can't even access that they right. probably forgot about, but they're paying money every month, and some of this stuff they might not have even paid it off yet. You know, yeah. they haven't even paid off the credit card they bought it with. Right. Um, and so you can get to that point where your stuff kind of starts to own you. Yep. You you're your possessions possess you. They've, yeah. they've done some studies about the anxiety that's caused by people having too much stuff. And so when you, you know, because you have to organize it, you, if you buy the, the boat, and I'm not saying that people can't buy boats, but you buy the boat, then you feel like you have to use it. So there's a stress associated with making sure you're using mm-hmm. all the stuff that you've, that you've purchased.
0: So. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's so funny that you remember the pom pom story. Yes. Yeah, I had a, bo- I, a box that I had toted around for our entire marriage. You know, at, at that point, what I guess we had been married 22 years. So for 22 years, I dragged this box around to every house we moved to, and it had all of my trophies, my soccer trophies and cheerleading trophies and stuff from when I was a kid. And I had never even, I didn't even know I still had it. I had never even opened that box. And when we, When we left, you know, I was like, I mean... I haven't used them in 30 years. I'm not going to use them now, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, those all went in the trash. And actually, (laughs) I think we donated a bunch of that stuff. Um, But yeah, it's it's such a crack up. So anyway, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you struggling with managing homeschooling your child on a day-to-day basis? BJU Press has a new homeschool planner that can simplify your homeschooling. With BJU Press Homeschool Hub, you can see your child's work for each day, track grades, and grade assignments all in one organized system. The BJU Press Homeschool Hub can make your experience more manageable and more enjoyable. You can have the resources you need for painless planning and happy homeschooling. Visit BJUPressHomeschool.com to see how the Hub can improve your homeschooling. Parents everywhere are waking up to the fact that God is calling them to teach their children His Word.
1: BibleQuest gives you a plan and resources to do just that, using the incredibly effective classical model Help your students memorize biblical information through games and scripture memory songs. Build their understanding with easy-to-use Bible discussions. Mentor them to wise doers and sharers of the Word. Biblical knowledge, understanding, and wisdom for a lifetime. Try four weeks free at BibleQuestClassical.com rocked. R-O-C-K-E-D That's BibleQuestClassical.com rocked. R-O-C-K-E-D
0: we are back with Scott. Um okay, we've talked a lot about debt. I want to talk about just what how how our spending and how we handle our finances, what does that say about us spiritually? And this is a tough mm-hmm. question to answer because I think no one ever wants to be faced with that question. Mm-hmm. but i want to I want to address that.
1: Yeah, good. I mean, if you, you kind of think of a Sunday, you go, you go into church and you, you think your pastor is going to stand up and talk about something spiritual, you know, you're going to hear a sermon about prayer or forgiveness or, uh, you know, some a parable or something sure. in the Old Testament, and he starts talking about money. And there's almost like, you know, why, why are we talking about something that's not spiritual? You know, why aren't we? But the reality right. is what God's word determines what is and isn't spiritual for us, and because money's throughout Scripture and Jesus preached on it so much, it it's definitely spiritual. And I I do think there's a lot of truth in the saying that if you want to know someone, you can look at two things: their checkbook and their calendar, because mm-hmm. the way people spend money and time says um, pretty much more about them than almost anything else. And yeah. so. Uh, if you look at what people spend their money on, it, it says a lot about their relationships with Christ. that That's the truth. In fact, i go so far as to say that we handle money the way we do because of our relationships with Christ. You know, it's our relationship with Christ that influences our view of money um, and the way we handle it, whether we covet it, whether we love it. Um, you know, 1 Timothy 6 famously says that, that the love of money is the root of many evils. Like the King James kind of got it off a little bit and it says like the love of money is or yeah or the love of money is the root of all evil which definitely is not true right. but it is accurate that there's a lot of evil because of people's love of money sure. well if you if you love Christ it's interesting he says that you can't serve two masters you're going to serve the lord or you're going to serve and then you kind of expect him to say another master but he says money and why is that because money becomes our master, it can be, it can rule over us, and so it can control us. And so the way we handle money says so much about and you and you our relationships with Christ. And you watch people when they become Christians and grow that they handle money differently. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't control them. They're not as, they're not as covetous. They become burdened to, to be generous and and to be giving, and they and really much of it has to do with developing kind of this eternal perspective. Because you see that really it's, an, it's a stewardship. I mean, that's a great word associated mm-hmm. with money. A steward doesn't really own anything. And it's interesting to consider that money is one of our most important stewardships because mm-hmm. we, we'll say it's my money, right. you know, it's my checkbook. Well, the reality is it's actually God's money. It doesn't belong to us. And we're just simply stewards of it for as long as we're on this side of heaven. And so one of the really nice things about viewing money as a stewardship is it? it is it not only makes us more responsible it makes giving easier because there's a sense in which you're not really giving you know your money away you're giving away god's money because it it doesn't really uh you know belong to you and so to uh, first corinthians it says what's required of stewards is faithfulness and if you've ever given something to someone what you value more than anything else is their faithfulness. With, I mean, even mm-hmm. if it's everything's a stewardship, my children, sure. it's a stewardship. They don't belong to me. And so, if my children go stay with someone after church on a Sunday, I'm expecting those people to be, in a sense, faithful stewards of my children. You know, keep them safe, don't have them watch something they shouldn't watch right. or listen to something they shouldn't listen to. So, anytime people are in charge of something or have responsibility for something, we covet their faithfulness, and it's the same for God. With, with what the things he puts in our care, whether it's our spouse, you know, for you, your two daughters, um, the movie they got us, you know, produced through you guys. And so we all want to be good stewards. And one of our most important stewardships is money, the money that he's, he's given us. And so the way we handle it, spend it, um, says much about us spiritually. Sure. Um, it's a quote that I read, which I think could be a real paradigm shift for some people is that every single Purchase you make is a spiritual decision. They're not amoral. It's not, they're either moral or immoral, every single cent or dollar that we spend. And so that can really cause us to look at our finances, um, you know, differently. And then as soon as you become a Christian and you have this eternal perspective, Mm -hmm. you recognize that none of us, none of the only way actually for any of our wealth to go with us is to be generous with it and giving. That's what Christ says. He oh, says, yeah. store up treasure in heaven. Yeah. And the way we store up treasure in heaven is by being generous and giving on this side of heaven. So,
0: yeah, amen to that. Let's talk, we, we have just a couple minutes left. Really quickly, I want to touch on the topic of, of giving and tithing.
1: You know, interestingly, I have a little different view of tithing um, than many people. I don't think it's commanded, and giving is commanded in the New Testament. I don't think I don't think tithing is in the Old Testament. There were multiple tithes. Actually, if you add up all the tithes, it was a lot closer to 25. percent So, if someone tells me, you know, I need to tithe, then they actually would give closer to one fourth of their money. But um, so then the question, because the, the New Testament simply says that God loves a cheerful giver, mm-hmm. and we need to give with an amount of sacrifice behind our behind our giving, and that's going to be different for each mm-hmm. person. You know, for the for the guy that just lost his job and is barely making ends meet. I mean, you have to be honest if this is real. Don't, don't hear me say this and then put yourself in this category. If you're not really in this category to give a little bit would be, could be a sacrifice for him. But for the person that's doing very well and paid off all their debt, I mean, they might not actually kind of feel it for lack of a better way to say it, or, or have any sacrifice in their giving until they gave a lot more than 10%, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I never tell people that you should give 10%, but some of the, but so since the new Testament doesn't give us a specific percent, what it does is it gives us principles mm. we should give joyfully or cheerfully we should give sacrificially and we should give willingly the tithe in the old testament is more like a tax yeah so if you give because you you know you feel bound to you have to that's more of like being a taxation than the generosity that god wants under the new covenant
0: well that's a good note to end on um because we, we have been the recipients of so much generosity, um, from, from so many people who are listening to this podcast right now. I mean, I can honestly say, you know, we are doing what we're doing because people have been so generous and the mm-hmm. Lord has led them. I, I, over and over again, we've heard from people, you know, the Lord just spoke to us. The Lord told us, you know, the Holy Spirit prompted us to give to the Schoolhouse rock to Ministry. Um, and it's what keeps us going. It, it has been such an incredible blessing to us. And so we are so grateful for those people who really do listen to the voice of God when it comes to supporting what God is doing through our family. And so um, so thank you to our listeners who, who continue to support us. Um, and thank you, Scott, for um, just all your wisdom that you're sharing with us this week. We're gonna come back tomorrow. And tomorrow I wanna talk specifically about two things. I wanna talk about uh, raising kids to be good stewards um, and in entrepreneurship, actually it's three things I want to talk about Um, and then I want to talk very briefly just about marriage and how we can bring peace into our marriage those are two really big topics I know Um, but we're gonna we're gonna uh, you know Cut it down uh, to to one episode tomorrow if we can, and um, we'll do our best to do that. So thanks so much for the encouragement. But if you guys want more encouragement on all of this and about just using our finances in a way that honors the Lord, Scott has a new book out. It's called Your Finances God's Way. We will put links to that in the show notes. You guys check out this book. It is excellent. Um, Scott has sent it to me, and and we're good friends with the La Pierre family, and so we really trust their wisdom. And um, God is doing amazing things through them. So uh, so thanks so much. We'll be back with you guys again tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you then. Bye.
1: What we do at IEW is break through the the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy